Welcome to the One in One Podcast, where a below-average podcaster chats with an above-average athlete. I'm your host, Bridget B. My guest today is Mike Giambagno, the founder of Every Ball Has a Story, a company that tracks golf balls and the stories they create around the world. Mike, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Uh, I, I'm going to cut you off there. I'm definitely not an above-average athlete, but hopefully the idea is interesting enough. <laughs> you know, that's a tagline I used before I also incorporated people that work in sports. And you know what? You're probably a better athlete than me anyway. I'm probably the worst, so it works. <laughs> okay, fair <enough>. <laughs> <laughs> But, Mike, I'm happy to have you on. You're actually the first guest I've had on. I took a little bit of a two-month hiatus. It was really only supposed to be one month in June because I had a lot going on. But then July came and more things started happening, so I had to take that month off as well. So happy to have you as the first guest back because I actually know you personally. We went to high school together. Yes, we did. It's it's been ten years somehow, but yeah, we go we go way back. We do, and I like to see friends and classmates doing really cool things. And I've actually known about Every Ball Has a Story, I guess, for a couple of months now. Uh, your brother and my boyfriend are great friends. I think my boyfriend even has like a username to get into this site. So I'm really excited for you to tell me all about this. Oh, great! Um, I'm happy to share everything, as, as you'll probably learn quick enough. Uh, I do love talking about this. This is kind of my passion, so I, I don't think we'll run out of things to talk about. <laughs> Perfect. Well, before we get to Every Ball Has a Story, let's go back in time. You grew up in Paramus, New Jersey, middle of three boys, all relatively close in age. I've gotten to know your older brother, Matt, over the past couple years. I've met your dad. I think I've met your mom. I've met your aunt and uncle and cousins in Wildwood. Big fan of the Giambagno family. <laughs> I didn't know the cousins were on play too. Yes, we have quite a quite a clan. Um, the two brothers, and then my my cousins are three girls, but they're they're all very competitive as well and big swimmers. So we're we're a family of athletes. If nice, you, if you want to nice. Say that. Yeah. How was that growing up as the middle and three boys? It was great. I mean, three boys, as you can guess, we we just wrestled and threw things and and fought um, all in loving ways. Um, it was fun. I mean, we we played probably every sport under the sun, and then being in the middle, it was it was fun to kind of, you know, look up to your older brother and then want to join him when he plays with his friends, and then being in that same role when the younger brother comes up. Uh, so I, I wouldn't trade the middle middle spot for anything. Nice. And how much younger is Steven than you? Uh, four years. Oh, okay. So, never, so that's a little bit of a bigger crossed. gap than you and Matt. Yeah, we never crossed. Um, like high school, we, we, we didn't see each other, but Matt, yeah, we, we had two years crossover. So how old were you when you became interested in golf? Uh, probably started playing around freshman year of high school, maybe 13-ish. Uh, my dad is, is a big golfer, and I, I think he always kind of knew we would be interested, especially long-term. It, it's kind of a good skill and hobby to have because I'm sure many of your guests know you get older and, and other sports become harder to play, but golf is really a lifelong skill. Um, mm -hmm. So he was trying to get us in pretty young, but I would say at the time, me and Matt, we, we really were more into hockey than golf, and golf was kind of something we just did and, and kind of just goofed around. Um, but then somewhere around the high school years, we started to realize that golf was really fun and that we both were kind of good at it. Uh, and then, then from there, it just exploded to this point, myself, my brother's, most friends are golf is like the main thing we look forward to on weekends and in the winter we're just 
go in the driving range waiting for the season to start again. <laughs> nice. You started pretty young, and it's understandable why you didn't start younger, as your dad may have liked, just because it's such a slow game. It's a frustrating game, right? You guys were playing hockey, which is much more exciting. But yeah, freshman year, that's still relatively young to get involved in the sport. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think golf in general is, is trying to push the younger generation, but um, it's hard. I mean, golf is, you kind of play against yourself. You kind of play against like the golf course, whereas all these other sports, you're playing with your friends and they're on the other teams and it, it's moving quicker where golf is kind of, you know, it takes four hours. It, it, it's <laughs> out in the sun hitting a ball and, and golf is very hard. So when you're not good at it, golf can be very challenging to, to get interested in. Um, but I know anyone who sticks to it um, generally falls in love with it. Yeah, I actually have a six-year-old nephew that is pretty into golf. Now, he's young, so he's really just going the mini-golf route and the driving range route. But I think last summer he did go to some form of golf camp for a week and, you know, did some drills and learned how to, I guess, like hit and putt and all that stuff. So it's interesting to see if he follows through with that and continues to like it. Yeah, I mean, there's a good chance he'll he'll take a few years off and kind of drift to other sports, but uh, I bet he'll come back at some point. Well, I know my brother is dying to get him into basketball, and he is involved Mm -hmm. in it, but my brother played college basketball, so I know he'd love Logan to get into that and then maybe golf a few years later. (laughs) Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Now, was there something that triggered you starting to play golf more seriously freshman year? Was it joining the high school team? Yeah, yeah. So I get, when I got to high school, you know, spring, I did play baseball growing up, but I, I was like kind of average at it, and there was a pretty good chance I wasn't going to make the team. So my dad kind of said, why don't you just try golf? Because you already played golf. Um, and then once I started doing that, high school golf is, is the best in the world. I, there's nothing like playing free golf every day with your friends every spring. Like that is, at, at my age now, and most people who play golf were paying tons of money, booking weeks weeks in advance to get out there. We're in high school every day at three o'clock. You just drive to the course and play golf, um, and that's probably where the the passion and the love really really kicked into high gear. That's actually an interesting point you you bring up because yes, golf is a very expensive sport, but you were going to a public school, so obviously they're not going to make you spend that money at a golf course, so you can just go after school. So tell me a little bit about high school golf. I clearly didn't attend any matches, sorry, but um, like how many people are on a team? How many golf matches are there in a season? I'm I'm intrigued by this. Yeah, yeah. So no, no offense taken that you didn't come to a match because I, I don't, I don't even think that was allowed. We never oh, really? had fans, so that yeah, I don't, I don't think fans are really a, a, a situation. Um, so the team probably had, I want to say maybe like twenty players, but what when you have a match, you would pick six, and then you take the four best scores. This is at least how it was done ten years ago. So they would, you'd have your six like kind of best players, and they'd all go out. And then the best four scores out of the six will count for your team. And then the other team will do the same and low score win. Nice. Okay. That makes sense. Were you one of the six best? I was. I was never nice. never one, probably never two. But I was always somewhere in the middle, the, the three, four guy. Um, which in retrospect, it, that's how you win matches. You need your kind of your, your depth players to, to play well. 
Um, so I, I had a good, good little career in high school. I think we won the league my senior year, which was, wow. which was fun. That's impressive. Yeah, and we're on what? the, you know, you know the ahead, big sorry. banner they used to have in the, the, the big gym at Primus High School? I think we're on that banner somewhere. Okay, very cool. That's awesome. I made zero contributions to any banners <laughs> at high, in high school, but that's awesome. <laughs> so you okay. guys, I assume, practiced at the Primus Golf Course? Yeah, I guess there was some sort of arrangement with um, the Primus course. So we did every day at 3 o'clock, there was tee times just for the high school team. But then matches could be played at any course. So that was another benefit of high school golf. The matches were played at some really, really nice golf courses. And these are private courses that I I couldn't even get get on today. But 16-year-old me was able to play them, which was fun. (laughs) What were some of those courses? Uh, I played Hackensack, which is a very nice course near us. Um, Arcola is in Primus, um, but that's private as well, but I was able to play that. Um, Darlington is a public course, but it's very nice. Um, I think a few players got on Ridgewood, which is a beautiful course, but that's also private. Um, Those are some of the best ones kind of in the area. Okay, nice. Golf can be a frustrating game, and for younger people, don't always have the determination to push through those hard parts. I know I wouldn't have that at 31. So do you remember like having to work through some really frustrating days on the course at a young age? Yeah, yes and no. Um, I mean, every golfer is different. I, I tend to have always just appreciated you're out in nature, you're with your friends, you're, you're playing a competitive sport, but it's also kind of just a challenge to yourself. Um, so I've always been okay kind of, you hit a bad shot, all right, let's just go hit another. The next one should be good. Um, but I do know if, it, if you can't make that next good shot, it, it kind of compounds, and then it really becomes a mental game more than a physical game. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there definitely, definitely were days um, and matches where I was not in those top four, and I was one of the, the two players who didn't matter, and, and that could be frustrating. Yeah, I feel like it's such a head game. Yeah, golf, it, it's probably one of the more mental sports, I would think. Absolutely. Now, are you someone that would watch a lot of golf on TV? Nowadays, yeah. I, I, I like to watch golf. Um, the British Open was this past weekend, and, and that was very exciting. Um, so I've always watched the majors. So there's four, four big tournaments, um, but there's, there's usually a weekly tournament as well. And Sunday afternoon, there's not much on TV. I'll usually just put golf on. Okay, nice. Now, who's your favorite golfer to watch? Uh, I'd be remiss not to say Tiger. I, I mean, Tiger is, is the best. He's the GOAT. But mm-hmm. other than Tiger Woods, uh, I've always been a Rory McIlroy fan as well. I think he has. Okay. He's very personable. He's very good at the game. So I, I would say Rory. Nice. Okay. So you have a great high school golf career. Now, was there any interest to play in college? No, I, I mean, I went to Rutgers, which is a, a really big school, um, and I'm pretty sure they have a pretty good golf team. I I don't think I was quite up to snuff to play at Rutgers, um, so I was just playing more recreationally. Um, golf is, is nice where you, you can always kind of have a competition with whoever you're playing with. You don't necessarily need to have a, a big match or anything, um, so I kind of just kept it a little more recreational in, high, in college, I mean. Okay, that makes sense. Now, did you go to a lot of sporting events while you were at Rutgers? Yeah, I went to, went to most of the football games, uh, basketball game here or there. Um, basketball team is better nowadays, but when I was there, they were 
pretty terrible. Um, <laughs> foot, football was doing okay, but I know Rutgers is kind of the, the butt of a lot of jokes in college football. <laughs> so they weren't exactly good, but the games were always fun. Great wrestling program. Yes, they do have a great wrestling program, and I believe the women's soccer team is very good as well. Yeah, they're good. The boys lacrosse team, I believe, made the Final Four this past year. Yeah, it, that's kind of the thing. When, when people make fun of Rutgers football, their athletics program is actually very good. It's just yeah. they're not very good. They're not very good at the sport that everyone cares about. Yeah, or that yeah everyone, exactly. That everyone is like watching on TV. And they were in the Big East all four years you were there, right? Yeah, I think my senior year, they, were, they just signed to move to the Big Ten. That's pretty funny that they end up in the Big Ten, which I don't know if you're, you know, reading the news and stuff, but that's going to be king, I think, coming up. So the fact that Rutgers is in maybe the best conference is pretty funny. Yeah, they, I mean, I know, again, people, they laugh, how did Rutgers get in there? But someone deserves a promotion at, at Rutgers because now the way things are shaking college, college sports, getting into one of these, these power conferences when they did was a great move. Yeah, they did it early. Them in Maryland made sure to get in yeah. early. Yeah, I guess I guess having the the New Jersey New York kind of TV situation helped. Oh, for sure, absolutely. Now you graduate, I guess around 2013. That's when I graduated. I'm assuming the same. Yeah, yeah. So now you know you're out working in the real world. You're making your own money. So tell me some some cool golf trips you've taken over the years. Yeah, I mean, work. Nothing will will kill a golf game like work. Um, <laughs> going from going from playing every day in high school and then pretty frequently in college. Once you start a real job, it's tough to get out there. Even on weekends, you're you're tired. Um, but golf trips definitely help. So I've I've done a trip to Myrtle Beach, which is relatively easy from New Jersey, and they have just tons and tons of golf courses. Um, so that was very fun. And then I've done some in Vermont. Um, my uncle Brian, who, who you met, he has a house up there and, and he hosted us for a little golf. You, you kind of play all these, um, the snow mountains generally of golf courses as well when it's not winter. Um, so we've played a few of them, which was very nice. And then usually when I take vacations with my wife, I like to stay in places that have golf courses. So I've played in Hawaii a few times, Puerto Rico, Mexico, California. Scottsdale, Austin. I, I've been around uh, most most uh, tourist spots. I found a golf course at some point. <laughs> nice. Okay. So pretty much every vacation you're on, you're golfing. Yeah, that that's my ideal vacation is is an <laughs> early morning tea time and then the beach in the afternoon. Oh, I like that. What's the best round of golf you ever shot, and where was it, and was it against Matt? <laughs> uh. Good question. The best, I mean, the best I've ever played was probably in high school. I, I'm assuming it's probably back then. You, so the matches are nine holes. It's not the full 18. Mm -hmm. um, but back in high school, I definitely had a few 38, 39s. Um, so golf, a, a par would be 36, which just means that's the score they, they kind of say you should get, but no one ever really gets it. <laughs> um, so staying in the 30s is, is, is pretty good. Uh, so that's probably the best I've done, but yeah, me, me, Matt, and Steven, and even my dad's pretty good. We, we have very competitive rounds. Um, oh, I bet. Yeah. So that's, that's always fun playing, playing the three of them. Have you ever gotten a hole in one? I haven't. 
Okay, it's I coming. Talk about, it's I, coming. Yeah, I talk about that a lot with, with friends and brothers. It's, that's the, the holy grail for a golfer or kind of a weekend golfer is, is finding that hole-in-one. You know what I don't understand when when you get the hole in one, not if, but when you get it, whatever club you're out, you you have to buy drinks for everyone. I feel like everyone should be buying drinks for you. I don't get it. No, but I'll explain. So getting a hole in one is like very, 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 very hard. And it's going to be the best moment of probably your golf career. So you've already won that day. You already are on the top of the mountain. So now because you had the best day ever it's only fair that you kind of treat everyone else who didn't have the best day ever. Uh, you got to make everyone that's feel how, better. That's how I think of it. Okay. All right. I, I, from that point of view, I can get it. Yeah. I mean, it's a little silly. I understand <laughs> you did the good thing and yet you have to pay X amount of dollars. I get it. But <laughs> I think it, if I made a hole in one, I would have no issues paying for everyone's strength. I feel like I'm so cheap. I would hide the fact that I got a hole in one. I'd keep it quiet. No, you can't, you can't, can't hide it. Yeah, I guess you'd be jumping for joy. Everyone would know. Yes, you would scream. I'm I'm pretty sure Steve has a whole in one. He does, yes. Yeah. He loves to talk about that. No, I'm kidding. Yeah, I wasn't, I wasn't there, but I I heard this this is how golf works. Anyone with a whole in one, you, you hear about it pretty quickly. Yeah, absolutely. Now, have either of your brothers or your dad gotten a hole in one? No. Okay, so you're all in the same playing field. Yeah, and we play a fair amount of golf. It's just good mental mental luck. You just need the bounce to go the right way. Yeah, I mean, it's really hard, as you said. It really does take a lot of luck. Yeah, I mean, you got to be around the hole, so you have to have some skill, but then it really is kind of, I just think, luck. Yeah, you'll get it. I know it. All right, I hope so. (laughs) So obviously through talking with you, it's clear that golf is a passion of yours. And you like it so much that you start a company. Every ball has a story. So I want to give you the floor right now to explain what that is and how you came up with the idea. All right. I'll give you, I'll give you the full sharp tank pitch. <laughs> okay. So we, I have a, a chat with my two brothers and my little brother's friend, Frank. Um, and we all love golf. So when we're not playing together, we just talk about golf. Um, so one day, I believe Frank kind of broached this idea of, hey, do you guys think you ever found a ball that's been played at Augusta? And, and for those who don't know what Augusta is, that's where they play the Masters, which is like the biggest golf tournament. And Augusta is like the nicest of the nice courses. So he's asking, did we, did we ever find a ball in New Jersey that had been played at that course? We all said no, because the chances of someone playing at Augusta and then playing you know, a public course in New Jersey are probably pretty slim. <laughs> But something about the question kind of just nagged at, at me and at us because we felt like that's something you should know or, like, there should be a way to find that out. So from there, we kind of thought, like, well, how would you even do that? You can't put, like, a tracking chip into a golf ball. So we kind of stumbled on, like, well, if every ball has something unique about it, then maybe we can kind of track that one unique thing. And ultimately what we've done is we're putting QR codes on a golf ball. And when you scan the QR code, you go to a website that I created and you're prompted to enter a four digit code, which is unique to every ball we make. And then once you do it, you're going to play that ball. And then most people are not very good. They're going to lose that ball at some point. And then somebody else is going to find that ball. And then they're going to scan the code. And then they're going to be prompted to enter the code, the four digits. 
And that repeated enough times, that one little ball will have a story of these many players, these many courses. You can kind of see how one ball is changing hands around the world, who's playing the ball, and, and hopefully there's some funny stories along the way or, or something interesting. We're, we're, we're tracking them as they kind of move hands, and then we have like a map where we're showing all of the different courses that our golf balls have been scanned on, and we just think it's very interesting it, as a someone who loves golf, uh, when I find a ball, and I find tons of balls every time I play, if I knew who had played that ball before me, what courses did that ball come from? Maybe this isn't for non-golfers, but people who love golf are very devoted to the game, and they would find this idea very interesting. Um, so we're just currently just trying to get as many balls out there as possible and spread them as far and wide as possible. Um, we're giving them to any friend taking a trip. We're shoving a bunch of balls in their bags, and we're telling them, go bring them to Hawaii, bring them to California. Um, so we're really just trying to get the, the idea off the ground and, and seeing where it takes us. Very cool. And I'm assuming when you're giving the balls to your friends that are going to, you know, a, a place in Oregon, they're supposed to leave the balls there, right? So it can then be tracked by, be found by someone and tracked like that? Exactly. We're, we're telling them to kind of take it, you know, log that you were there and then kind of start the story as we, as we say. And then we just, we're just waiting for the next guy to find it. That's really cool. So if I'm a golfer and I'm out on a course and, you know, I find a random ball in the greens with this QR code, I'm obviously going to be interested to see what's going on there. So that is really cool that scanning it, I could see that it was play, played at Bethpage Black or Pebble Beach or, you know, all those awesome sites. And then obviously the smaller country clubs would be cool to see too. I think that's awesome. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I, I think when we were kind of thinking of how to, you know, make the idea work, the QR code kind of made sense because I've never seen a QR code on a golf ball. So at yeah, first we had to kind of, yeah, we had to figure out like, well, is there a reason that it, like, can it not be done? Can it, will it not scan? Um, but it does, it, it will, it will scan. You have to print it a certain way, but we kind of work through the kinks. Um, so yeah, we, we're, we're thinking when people find them, the QR just looks so unique and so different um, and kind of COVID helped in this sense because everyone's so used to QR menus now. Like we're all, we all know how to operate. Um, so we're hoping people are intrigued and they scan it. And once you scan it, you come to the website and, and then we just tell you the idea. We show you, you know, where the balls have been. Hopefully the ball you just found has something interesting for you on it. And then we, we encourage you to then, you know, add your chapter to the story quote unquote, and then just play, yeah, just play the ball. And, you know, we, we hope you, you play well, but at some point you will lose it. That's just how <laughs> golf works. True. And then someone else finds it and pays it forward. That's, that's an awesome idea. Thank you. Yeah. We, we spent a lot of time kind of, you know, just ironing it, ironing it out. Um, there's still a lot to go and a lot of work to do, but I, I think we all feel very good about the idea itself and, if nothing else, it's, it's a fun idea, and I, I think people are taking a pretty, we've had pretty good feedback so far. Yeah, I imagine so. So now it's you as, really, you're the main guy, right? But there are others involved, it sounds like? Yeah, so it, we we joke, um, but I, I've been elected CEO um, <laughs> just, just because I, I this one is, is really kind of, my passion and then the website I was able to figure out and then the printing of the balls, I was kind of 
big on, um, but it is both my brothers and our friend Frank. We're, we are all involved equally. Um, but yeah, I, I guess I'm kind of moving the ball forward a little bit, but anytime I have questions or should I post this social media thing, do you think we should buy XYZ? It, it's a four-team four attack on this one. Gotcha. Okay. I didn't realize that the others were, were so involved. Okay. Yeah. I mean, they're, I think Matt likes to say he's a silent partner, um, <laughs> but, but there's, there's definitely a lot of work to be done here on out. And I, I know it, at some point, everyone involved is going to have their moment to kind of move the company forward. And then I'm, I'm sure at some point we're going to need everyone. Nice. So now, can you explain the printing process? Because it's my understanding that you guys have your own printer that prints these balls. Yeah, so that was right off the bat, we, we kind of, we, we were debating, could we like outsource this? Um, like, could somebody else do this? And what we found was nobody was willing to print the unique code on every ball. Because I guess a big manufacturer they're printing mass quantities of the same ball over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. It wouldn't make sense for them to like print a unique number on every single ball. Like the efficiencies aren't there. So then we hit a stopping point of, well, either we get a printer or this idea is dead. So we bought a printer. Um, there is a printer. Um, I think we bought it from China. It, it's not the best, but it gets the job done. Um, we can do 18 balls at a time. It, it kind of like a laser printer, but it has a little gadget where you can put the balls in. Um, and then we have a template, kind of a software where you can kind of drag and drop the code and the QRs. Um, so it is a little manual and it, it takes some time, but um, you can front load the work by, by building all the templates ahead of time. And then when you get to the printer, you can just churn out ball after ball. Um, so we try to do as many as we can when, when we have the time. Wow, that is really cool. I wouldn't even think that you could get a laser printer and have templates that give its own QR codes. But I guess you're right. With COVID now, those QR codes are, you know, always around. Yeah, yeah. It's funny because now that I'm, I have to learn about QR codes, what they are. I was a little scared about like the legality of QR codes, but I'm, I'm all good. I'm covered. Um, so now everywhere I go, I see QR codes. Like it, it's, it's the first thing I see on advertisements, on TV, on the subway, everything has QR codes now. Um, I don't know if that's because I'm so hyper-focused on them or they're just everywhere. <laughs> it's probably a little bit of both. You're obviously hyper-focused on it, but with the way of the world now, it obviously is a good tool for advertising. Obviously all the restaurants have it. Yeah, yeah. I actually was a little surprised that no one ever put it on a golf ball. I would have just thought, I don't know, you're, you're trying to advertise something, like this would be a pretty unique way to do it, but I guess we, we kind of got there first. And do you have a patent for this? So we have a provisional patent, um, okay. which, which just means that we do have some protection and we have a certain time period where we then can file for a kind of the full real one. So that's kind of on our list of to-dos. Um, do we kind of move forward with the patent? Do we think we can get get by without doing the real one, but we, we still have some time with the provisional for now. Gotcha. And on top of printing the QR codes, you're, you guys are actually able to print different designs. I know this because I know for a mutual friend's bachelor party, you got his face imprinted on the balls, which is pretty cool. <laughs> we did, yeah. So the, as soon as we got the printer, we all kind of realized that we don't have to just print QR codes. We can print anything we want. 
um, which kind of, we've done it more than once now, mostly bachelor parties. Um, just, just someone's face, something funny, like something unique. Uh, we actually sponsored the Pramus PBA golf outing uh, a couple weeks ago. So we printed, we printed kind of their, you know, their badge logo. Um, so yeah, we, we can print anything you want on a golf ball. Uh, just let us know. (laughs) Very cool. Now you are still working a nine to five job and every ball has a story. seems like there's a great deal of work that is put into this. So where, when are you finding the time to work for the ball company? Yeah, I'm I'm sure like anyone who kind of has a side hustle, it's, as much time as you can find in a week. So there's post-work nights, some weekends. Um, sometimes some of us will work from home, and if we have a lunch hour, we'll just go print a bunch of balls on the lunch hour. Um, so, yeah, it, it's kind of just finding a few hours here and there. Um, the the upfront over the winter, the, the website took a lot of time to kind of – I don't know how to make a website, but I, so I had to learn. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that was, that was weekends during this past winter I was spending doing that. But now that it's kind of up and running, it, the maintenance is not quite as laborious. Gotcha. Okay. And you mentioned you guys sponsored a golf outing. What other types of advertising have you been doing? So we did that, and then we're really just trying to do social media. Um, so we have an Instagram that is slowly but surely kind of getting some followers. Then we have a TikTok, which none of us knew you know, how to make TikToks, but very quickly we all like became obsessed with it. And we're actually having some success on the app, uh, a couple thousand followers, some videos. I don't know. I don't know what viral, what quantity you have to hit, but we had one hit almost 600,000 views, which feels like a lot. Yeah, Um, I think so. Yeah. So not, not all the videos are specifically about the idea. They're kind of just golf related, maybe sometimes jokes or something about golf. We really just want to get people to hear the name, and then if they kind of look at the profile, they could see the website. And once you go with the website, well, well, then you kind of get the whole idea. Um, so we're just trying to find unique ways to to get people to learn what we're doing. Got it. Yeah, I mean, social media is king these days, so that's a great idea. Yeah, it just seems. I mean, it's also free, kind of like we we can kind of just do it for on our own. We don't have to pay anyone. We don't have to do anything. We just make make videos on our own time. Um, mm. So for, for now, that, that feels like the best way to go. Nice. Yeah, and I follow the Instagram, and this past weekend, someone was promoting it in Oregon at a famous course out there. Was that one of you guys or a friend that was out there? Yeah, not – we'll be upfront. It wasn't one of the four of us, um, <laughs> but we do. We had a mutual friend who was making that trip. Uh, so Bandon Dunes is one of the best golf resorts in the country. Um, so once we knew he was going – we said, hey, you're, you're taking a bunch of balls and take as many pictures as you can get. Um, and he helped us out and, and kind of spread the balls, logged them on the website, and also got us some really nice pictures. Very cool. And this is obviously in early stages of development, but you do have over 300 balls logged. That seems like a great start to me. Yeah, it's, it's not bad. Um, the goal was 1,000 by the end of the year. So that I don't know if we're on pace, but... Uh, yeah, hopefully the more balls that get out there, there's like an exponential kind of effect. Because um, mm-hmm. theoretically, the more you put out there, the more people can find, and then the stories keep going and going and going. Um, so yeah, 300 feels good, but we're, we're aiming a little higher. We would like 1,000 by the end of the year. Okay, you got a couple months left. It can be done. Yeah, 
Yeah, definitely. And now if someone is listening to this podcast episode and, you know, thinks it's a really great idea, would like to buy some of these balls with the QR codes, I'm assuming they can go on the website and order them? Yeah. So the website is set up um, at this stage. It's more of kind of a contact us situation. Um, but we, we do, you know, we'll, we'll sell you the QR balls or we'll also, if you have a printing need or you have a bachelor party or you have something where a, a photo would be funny on a golf ball, just reach out to us. Um, I think at this stage, anything we can get out there with our name and our QRs would be beneficial to us just as much to you. So we, we definitely would offer you know, fair pricing or timing, anything like that. Now, have you had any outreach from people that you don't know? We've had a couple randoms find their balls and make accounts, which was very exciting. Um, oh, nice. we, all text, we all text each other immediately. <laughs> Um, I get email alerts when someone makes an account, and, and thus far it's always been friends or, or family. Uh, so when the first random did it, we were all very excited. So we've had a few of those. Um, so I think we just, we just need more balls kind of out there in the world. Um, I guess one of the challenges we've learned so far is just because you lost the ball, someone's not going to find it tomorrow necessarily. They may not find it for weeks, for months. Um, so we kind of assumed we have this immediate impact, but I think it's going to be a slow burn. And then I, I really hope it's going to just take off like wildfire at some point. Yeah, no, that that's a great point. It does take a while sometimes to find these balls. And you're only, a what, a couple months in? When did you guys really officially start this? Yeah, so we we had some printer issues up front. Um, it, it, it's a funny story. Our friend Frank, when the printer came, we got out of the box. We were all so excited. And honestly, within one minute, it was a touch screen. It, he touched it and it, it didn't really work. So he touched it harder and the whole thing shattered. Oh my within, God. Within, within one minute, he broke it. Um, so we all, Hope you we had all insurance. <laughs> no, you we definitely did not have insurance. Oh. Uh, so we all laughed because there was nothing we could do. But thankfully, um, we reached out to the the company we bought it from and there was a workaround to kind of use a remote instead of touchscreen. Um, oh, okay. But that stuff like that kind of slowed us down. So we really didn't start printing and, and moving balls out until maybe mid April. Oh, um, so this so, is so new. Okay. Yeah. So we're, we're, we're really, I, I think we are ahead of schedule, honestly, with, with 300 balls um, in a couple months. Yeah, I was going to say, I feel like that's a really great start, and you should not be discouraged at all that there's not as many random slogging balls yet. I feel like it will definitely come. Yeah, yeah, but I think we we kind of knew we had a good idea, and we didn't want to miss this first kind of golf season. So we're rushed, we rushed it a little bit. We're trying really hard to get it going, but I think, honestly, if we hit the upcoming fall and winter season, we're going to be able to really – kind of mass produce the balls and get ready for the next season. And then we'll be all systems go by next spring. Yeah. Oh, that'll be so exciting to, to watch out for. Yeah, definitely. Um, so I guess a, a different interesting story that the printer is currently in my childhood bedroom. Uh, so my, my mom and my dad, they, they get to see me probably once a week. I come home and I sit in my little childhood bedroom and just print golf balls. <laughs> um, so there, there's balls and ink and it's all over the place. So I think this, up, this upcoming winter, it's really going to become a factory up there. Oh yeah. Oh, I'm sure they'll love it. I'm sure your mom will have a home cooked meal for you. It'll be great. 
It, yeah, it's actually working pretty well. I get to see my parents, I get dinner, like it, it's working well for everyone. Nice, nice. And you had mentioned that your dad is really the one that got you and your brothers into golf. So I imagine he is so proud of you guys for taking this idea and really running with it. Yeah, yeah, I think he is. I mean, at first, there's definitely an element, like a lot of dads, uh, he pretends he doesn't care or he kind of jokes <laughs> a little bit about it. Um, but then they land up asking a ton of questions. Uh, so yeah, I, I think he is, he's excited that we're, we're doing something different, something unique. Um, and he's, he's made an account. He's trying to help the best he can, uh, cause he does play a lot of golf. So he would be a great customer. Yeah, absolutely. And now of the over 300 balls that have been logged, what's the most famous course a ball has been logged on? So Bandon Dunes, the one that just got played, it, it is very nice. Um, but Matt has played Harbor Town down in Hilton Head, which is a very, very nice course, and that's hard to get on. Um, besides that one, Wikopa out in Arizona, uh, it is a very good one. I, I think that was the bachelor party one where we put the guy's face on it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Hawaii, one of our friends had a honeymoon in Hawaii, and, and he got one. But I, I, my answer is Bandon Dune for, for now. Okay. Yeah, no, that is famous. I know for a fact, because if I know that it's famous, it must be, because I know very little about golf. Yeah, I I think that one's pretty well known, but uh, we're hoping to book some more golf trips um, to to hit all of the, at least the public courses, the ones we're allowed to go play. Well, now it's really a work trip for you guys, right? (laughs) Yeah, it it is, and that's, that's kind of the joke that we... We have to write this off now. These are, these are business expenses to, to make these golf trips. <laughs> oh, for sure. That's so cool. So, you know, you mentioned short-term goal trying to get to 1,000 balls logged by the end of the year. What are some of the longer-term goals? Yeah, so longer-term, I, I think we, we would like the website. Um, we've always wanted it to be a phone app. I, I just think it makes more sense to be an app on your phone versus a website. Um, so this is really lofty goals, but, but an app on the phone would be really, really cool. Definitely. And yeah. And we, we did kind of, we're very early stages, so I won't necessarily name the brand right now, but one of the other goals is to kind of partner with a known golf brand. Um, Cause we just thought they have the contacts, they can mass produce balls faster than I can. Um, so we did recently kind of make an agreement with one company where they're going to give us balls and we're going to do the QR part and we're going to kind of cross promote and help each other out. Um, so that was a short term goal and we'll see where that one goes. But that was another one is to kind of to work with someone already established in kind of the ball industry. Yeah, um, huge. Yeah. To kind of to kind of remove my childhood bedroom uh, factory. <laughs> I don't know. I think you should keep it. I like that. Yeah, I mean, it, it definitely, we, we like to joke, it's like the, the Steve Jobs garage. It's just the, the humble, it's the humble beginning. <laughs> Obviously, with COVID, you know, there's been a lot of like shipping delays and manufacturing delays and all these types of delays. And I know that golf balls, there have been a shortage over the past year or so. Are you guys sort of facing that? Because obviously you have to print these. Yeah, so we, it, it, it's a good question. We now, now that we got the printer, we had to decide what ball to print on. You, you can get any ball. Like, there's hundreds of different balls. Um, so we kind of made the decision we were going to use blank balls. When I say blank, like, there's no writing on them. 
And the reason being, we didn't want to print on one type of ball, and then a year later, a different company want to work with us, and we already printed thousands of balls on their rival. Yeah, so we just said point. we're we're using we're using blank balls until we have an agreement with somebody. So the balls, the blank balls are cheaper from overseas, kind of from China, but the shipping delays and the the price to get them was just extraordinary. So we had to use an American company, which was a little more expensive, but we were actually able to get them on time, thankfully. And this gets oh, wow. back a little, it got back, this gets back to kind of this idea. We didn't want to waste this season. Um, if this kind of happened during the winter, we probably would have just waited and, and ordered the ones from overseas. But because we really wanted to like maximize this first year, we, we just kind of accepted a little bit of a higher price from America. Gotcha. And now how many balls did you buy at once? We bought 1,200, 1,500, I think. Okay. Yeah, yeah that's a so good we, start, it sounds like. Yeah, we started with that, and then did this company we work with now, we just ordered, like, another 900. And then I imagine for you, another longer-term goal would be an ideal situation is this becomes your 9 to 5, right? Yeah, I guess that's, if there's short goals, long goals, that, that would be the dream goal, is to kind of do this full-time. Um, I think that part of this, um, I'm, I'm humble enough to admit, is still a little unclear if that ever is going to materialize. But I, I think we all feel confident that the idea is good and that with a few lucky breaks and some good decisions, hopefully we can maybe find that someday. Yeah, absolutely. And I feel like with anything, with any new concept, it does take a while to develop. When you look at, you know, all these billionaires out there, you know, it took them a bit to to get going. So that would definitely be a great situation, obviously. But even if this just turns into a really lucrative side gig, I mean, that's awesome too. Yeah, yeah. If we're able to make any money, that would be wonderful. Um, but even below that, even if we're just able to have some fun and, and track these things on our website and, and meet some interesting people, I think that would be worthwhile as well. Absolutely. And you guys seem you know, relatively far along for about three months in. That's really good. I didn't realize you had started so soon, I guess. Yeah, no, I think we we really just wanted to kind of come out of the gate swinging. Um, I think this is more more of a life take, but uh, you should always go for, for everything and you should go full force. Um, I don't think any of us, any of the four of us wanted to look back and think like, oh, that was a cool idea. We probably should have tried a little harder. Um, so we're, we're going for it. Yeah. You guys definitely won't have any regrets. No, I, I don't think so. And obviously you're a very busy man, Mike working and with every ball has a story, but I'm sure in that limited free time, you are still golfing. What are some golf courses you haven't been to yet, but that are like bucket list courses for you? Yeah, definitely. Um, so Pebble Beach would be really, really cool. That's out on the West Coast. Um, mm -hmm. That is public, so it is possible. I think it's expensive, but that would be very nice. Um, they just played the British Open in St. Andrews, which I guess is like the birthplace of golf. That would be very cool to go over. I think it's in Scotland to play that course would be amazing. Um, and then the real dream, the ultimate dream is back to Augusta um, down in Georgia. The, that one is not public. It, you definitely cannot play that course almost ever. But but you never know. If if every ball has a story takes off, maybe we'll find ourselves at Augusta. 
That would be so cool. And what's the dream spot that you log into your website and I'm assuming it's Augusta? Yeah, I think that would be really full circle kind of because the idea started from an innocent question about Augusta. Mm-hmm. Um, did a ball ever, have you ever found one that was at Augusta for our idea to kind of make that happen would probably be the coolest thing ever. Oh, for sure. That would be awesome. You know where I would like to see your your balls? Every ball has a story. I want to see it at that one course where there's one specific hole where there's just a big party and people are drinking and throwing oh, stuff. Yes, that's yes, where that's... every ball has a story needs to be. <laughs> that's TPC Scottsdale. So that is public. It's possible. That can happen. Nice. That would be an exciting one. Yeah. I, I guess on that note, we, we've also thought kind of you know, that's where the pros play. We've always envisioned this long goal. If a pro golfer were to kind of log a ball, like Tiger Woods played this ball, that would just be the coolest thing in the world. Um, yeah, that would I, really, really help <laughs> your business too, obviously. Yeah, and I, I think that would be something that could really take the business off if you got like celebrities or professionals to log balls and you can almost like verify them like Twitter. Be like, yes, this really was Tiger Woods. Um, I think that could really take things to the next level as well. For sure. Yeah, and even if you could just start by getting like a lesser-known professional golfer to like do a little partnership with them, I don't know. I feel like the ideas are endless here. Yeah, I mean, this is this is the stuff where, as you said, we're we're still very early, but we we do have a lot of things kind of re- ready to go um, long term here. I love that. That's so exciting. And like I said, I'm pretty close to it because my boyfriend does have like an account with you guys. So I'm really excited to to see this firsthand, how it goes. Yeah, I, I think we've had, um, I think we've all realized that we, we have very good friends and very good family. And, and we just have a lot of people who, who know about the idea and are excited for us and, and want to help in, in any way they can. Um, so hopefully we, we get to, show everyone our hard work um, soon enough when we, we make it a little bigger. Absolutely. And I have some guy friends that are really involved with golf, so I will definitely pass your story with Every Ball Has a Story along, and maybe they will want to buy some, some balls from you. Yeah, that would be wonderful. And I may have to uh, make a purchase because, like I said, my six-year-old nephew is a big golf fan and he's got a birthday coming up. So me and Steve were thinking about maybe getting some balls with, you know, something that he's interested printed printed on them. So we'll be in touch. You may have a customer. (laughs) All right. Wonderful. That sounds great. (laughs) Nice. So... Mike, I do want to ask another golf question for you. Um, I feel like this is such like a the quintessential golf question out there. What is your dream foursome? And I want to know two different foursomes. I want to know out of like actual professional golfers and just people that would be cool to golf with, whether they're good golfers or not. Okay. All right. I'll give you multiple versions. So I will say my two brothers and my dad and me, that is the foursome. If I ever got to play those courses we talked about, I would want to play with the four of them, well, the four of us. Because that's who I play golf with, that's who I grew up with, that's my perfect foursome. Mm-hmm. But when we go to celebrities, golfers, I think for the celebrity one, I would want to play with Larry David. He's a big that's golfer. Uh, I think he, you always want someone funny. Um, <laughs> 
I would want to play with Michael Jordan, who's a very big offer. Yeah. And I know he's, he's definitely a gambler as well. So that would be very fun. <laughs> and, and then another celebrity, maybe Charles Barkley. Uh, I know he loves to play golf and he's not very good, but he also would be very funny. <laughs> yeah. Oh so my that, God. Charles Barkley cracks me up. That would be funny. Yeah. So that would be maybe the celebrities and then professional golfers. I have, I don't like Bryson DeChambeau. I don't know if you know who he is, but uh, heard the name. He, he hits the, he's the furthest hitter. He swings like extremely hard. I think I would want to play with him just to see, just to see it in person. Uh, so I'll say him. Um, then Tiger Woods, cause you kind of have to. And then maybe Phil Mickelson as well. Cause he, he's a legend himself. Okay. I mean, all great foursomes right there. Yeah. I think you can't go wrong with any of them. Absolutely. Very cool. Well, hey, maybe every ball has a story, takes off. You'll get all those foursomes. Who knows? Yeah, you never know. That that's kind of <laughs> the, that's kind of the fun of it, and that's what what makes maybe some of the longer hours and nights worth it. Just the idea that maybe someday that this could to lead to more golf and then to more fun activities. Absolutely. And yeah, you just mentioned long nights. Quick question: Have you had like any? all-nighters or what is the latest you've stayed up for this the every ball has a story uh i mean i love sleep so i don't stay too late but there's okay. definitely been been some maybe 1 a.m midnight okay. um just when i was building the website i, I kind of i was hitting momentums and it was kind of like solving puzzles in a way so when i was like solving it i didn't want to stop i wanted to just keep going and i wanted this thing to get done in time for spring um, so there were there were a couple later nights in this past winter, um, but it was worth it because we're we're up and running now. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And you said it took multiple weekends in the winter to get a website started, huh? Yeah, I mean, if if you don't know how to make a website, it can be very intimidating at first. Yeah, um, yeah. I never really I, put much thought into it. I didn't realize it was that challenging. Yeah, I mean, it. What was challenging was. I wanted, I know it was never going to be perfect because I'm not a coder, but I wanted it to at least be functional. I, like, mm. like you said that, you know, Steve has an account like that. I didn't know how to do that. I don't even know what that, I didn't know what that meant. So I kind of had to learn, all right, how do I make accounts and users and, and how do I make someone log a ball and it shows up on the front page, um, how to tally the balls over time. You said 300, like that took me probably a whole afternoon to figure out how to do that. Yeah, um, so just, it's just a lot of that little stuff. Um, but in retrospect, I'm glad we didn't just like pay someone because now if anything goes wrong or if we need to change anything or, or move anything, I know how to do it personally. Um, yeah, so I think that's it's great. Yeah, I think it's better that we kind of kept it kind of in-house a little bit. For sure. And now, you know, when you weren't sure of how to do all these things on the website, what did you, where did you go to seek out those answers? Was it just like Google searches, YouTube? Yeah, yeah, a little bit of both. Um, so you just have to know what to Google and you need to scan it, scroll and scroll and scroll and a lot of trial and error. Um, so I usually would just kind of have the idea and then I'd Google it, I can't find it. Then I would try to phrase it in a way of like what I actually was trying to do. Like, oh, I want to display a number of XYZ and you just you go from there. Just a lot of trial and error really. Wow, I feel like that would be so frustrating. I couldn't do it. I'd like throw yeah. the laptop down. <laughs> I don't know. I, I very much enjoyed it. Uh, I don't know why. That's I, good. I, 
No, that's yeah. great if you enjoyed it. And now, obviously, like you said, now you know how to do it. So when something does go wrong or you need to add something, you can do it. Yeah. No, it, it was definitely not something I foresaw having to do or enjoying doing, but it was definitely time, time well spent. Absolutely. Mike, I have loved this conversation. I like to end the podcast with a couple fun questions. How does that sound? That sounds great. All right. So I know your family. You guys are huge Rangers fans. I'm kind of surprised in your celebrity foursome, a Ranger was not in there. But tell me, who is your all-time favorite player? Uh, Henrik Lundqvist. Yeah. It, okay. No That's doubt. That's a good one, I feel like. Yeah, he, he was the one when we were growing up. He was the goalie, kind of the quarterback of hockey. Um, so definitely, definitely Henry Lundqvist. Okay, very nice. Next question, what is your favorite movie? I'm interested to see if it's going to be a golf movie. You know, Caddyshack is great, but I do always, this is, this is totally off tangent here, but another goal of mine is I would love to write the next great golf movie. I really think it's time. I think it's time to make just a good kind of classic comedy golf movie. Um, that's not the answer to the question, but maybe no, that's another. that's so interesting, though. <laughs> I love that. Ma- Maybe another podcast another day. We can go through that. Um, my favorite movie is probably Forgetting Sarah Marshall. Oh, it's so it, funny. It's yeah, one of those movies where if it's on TV, you stop what you're doing and you watch it. Yeah, it's just it's so quotable and, and there's music and there's jokes and good actors. That, yeah, probably that's my favorite. Nice. And then from, you know, you mentioned the, the writing a movie. Are, do you write screenplays? Uh, I don't. I have attempted the golf one before. It, it's a rough draft right now. Um, oh, nice. I like yeah. to like write stories in my free time, too. I'm a big nerd like that, so I find that so interesting. Yeah, I, I do. I've always liked to write. Um, I, I wrote a book a couple years ago. Clearly, when I have free time, I, I can't just watch TV. I have to do something. So I, I, did, I did write like a, like a fiction book a couple years ago, not golf-related. Um, so, so maybe the golf thing is, is next in line of things to do. Nice. Did you get it published? I didn't. Um, you know, it was just my first attempt. I don't think it was the best book ever. So I told <laughs> myself, I told myself I was going to put it to the side for a few years and then I was going to read it fresh in a couple of years and then start again from there. Oh, that's smart. Okay. Yeah. I wrote like a 150 page like story. Never really attempted to, to try to like self-publish it or anything, but probably yeah. same thing. It's definitely not the the best written thing, but yeah, maybe I'll do that I, in a couple of years. I'll go back to it. Yeah, I, I did. I mean, I tried. Like, I, I did send things out there, and, but I found writing it was way more fun than trying to get it published. I kind of oh, I heard that's fun. like a bitch. I heard that's very hard. Yeah, yeah. So I stopped having fun with like the process, and and once it wasn't fun, I wasn't going to waste my weekend doing something I didn't really want to do. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that's very cool. Sorry for that side tangent, but I found it very interesting. No, no problem. All right, last question, Mike. You got married a little over a year ago now. Where was your honeymoon? Okay, so we had a COVID wedding. Um, So we were going to get married in October 2020, and then the honeymoon was going to be in Bora Bora. Ooh. We canceled the wedding, but we both were adamant we were still going to Bora Bora so we actually went to Bora Bora and just had a wedding with the two of us there 
That's awesome. So legally, we were married there in October 2020, and then we had kind of the the big one with friends this past June or June 2021. Okay, very nice. Happy anniversary, belated. Oh, thank you. And that's I'm kind of surprised you guys were able to get into Bora Bora. Just yeah, with the COVID it was, restrictions. It was it was tough. There was a lot of testing and, and masks on all the planes, but honestly, once we were there there weren't that many people and everyone had to kind of spread out. So it almost mm -hmm. felt like its own little like paradise Island. It was, it was pretty cool. Very cool. Now, did you have one of those like huts right on the water? We did. Oh, I'm jealous. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> we, we had, because the wedding got canceled, um, the money situation, we, we kind of were just like, we didn't know if the wedding was ever going to happen. So we went a little, we went for broke and, and had the best time in Bora Bora. Yeah. Why not? You only get yeah, married yeah. once, right? No, no, I'm kidding. You got married well, twice already. Yeah, we've already had we've already had two, so yeah. <laughs> uh, that's awesome. Mike, thank you so much for taking the time to come on my podcast. Obviously, through our conversation, you're a very busy guy, so I really appreciate it. I'm so excited for you and your brothers and Frank for um every ball has a story. Like I said, I've you know seen it since it's the beginning, and I'm excited to continue to follow it. Yeah, no, I very much appreciate you reaching out. Um, I know you interview a lot of really great athletes, and this one's a little bit different than your usual podcast, but uh, I but very it's much enjoy it. a sports story. It is, it is. And, and hopefully people out there, whether they love the idea or they just they want to kind of trust someone who has a passion and, and want to see someone have success, um, hit us up. We'll, we'll give you some free golf balls, some QR codes. All right, everyone, that was my chat with Mike Giambacno. I hope you enjoyed it. Everyone should go check out Every Ball Has a Story. I think it's a really cool concept, and I hope it takes off for them. I'll be back soon to speak with another outstanding athlete.